This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. Good morning, I'm Alice Dempster. And I'm Siobhan Moran-McFarlane. It's Monday the 6th of February. In your Squiz today, shooting a balloon out of the sky, a young shark attack victim is named, Parliament's back in session, and Carbonara corruption. This is your Squiz today. A US military fighter jet has shot down a suspected Chinese spy balloon off the coast of South Carolina a week after it first entered US airspace Siobhan. US President Joe Biden gave the order to take it down on Wednesday, but the Pentagon says it waited until it was over the Atlantic Ocean on Saturday to reduce the risk to people below. Yeah, so this balloon has really gripped Americans and so much so that its shooting down on the weekend was actually broadcast on TV. Now US Navy divers are trying to recover as much of the balloon's debris as possible, which is scattered across 11 kilometres of water. China, meanwhile, hasn't denied owning the airship, but it does dispute that it was being used for spying. Instead, they claim it was an unmanned civilian aircraft and condemned the US for shooting it down. Yeah, but Siobhan, the Pentagon has cast some doubt over that. It says a second suspected Chinese spy balloon flew over Latin America last week with sightings over both Costa Rica and Venezuela. Like you say, though, China insists the one that was shot down on Saturday was merely a civilian airship. They say it was used for meteorological research and it blew off course due to westerly winds and limited control capability. Yeah, but the US is not buying that. It says the balloon targeted several sensitive military sites after travelling over huge areas of the US and Canada at an altitude of about 60,000 feet, which is well above commercial airspace. US officials also say it was carrying sensors and surveillance equipment and was able to change course. Whatever data it did or didn't capture, though, it certainly hasn't improved US-China relations. US Secretary of State Anthony Blinken cancelled his planned trip to Beijing on Sunday that would have been the first of its kind in five years. And that's a big deal because he was due to continue mending fences after Biden and China's President Xi Jinping had a positive meeting on the sidelines of the G20 summit in Bali. Yeah, this latest incident has added to the United States' concerns over things like China's aggression over Taiwan, a crackdown on democracy in Hong Kong, and also China's refusal to condemn Russia over the war in Ukraine. US State Department officials say they will arrange another meeting for Blinken, but analysts say that the relationship has hit an all-time low. Siobhan, authorities in Western Australia have named the young victim of a shark attack near North Fremantle on Saturday as 16-year-old Stella Berry. Yeah, she'd been jet skiing with her friends in the Swan River before she jumped in the water to swim near some dolphins before the incident occurred. Reports say she was pulled from the water around 3.30pm with significant leg injuries. Acting Inspector Paul Robinson from WA Police said they're still investigating what happened, but eyewitness accounts are all pointing to her death being shark-related. And WA Fisheries Minister Don Punch said he believes it could have been a bull shark responsible for the attack. He said they do enter estuaries and freshwater river systems. 
Premier Mark McGowan also gave his condolences to Stella's loved ones. He said shark attacks were very rare events, but when they happen, it's just awful. Federal Parliament's back today, Siobhan, and one of the big things on the agenda will be the Labor government's plans for a referendum on the Indigenous voice to Parliament this year. Yeah, so yesterday Prime Minister Anthony Albanese said he doesn't believe the public will buy any misinformation about the proposal from anti-voice campaigners, whom he's accused of fueling a culture war. Now, the proposal has been copying flack from coalition leader Peter Dutton, who's called for more details on the constitutional change before it goes to a national vote later this year. Albanese has so far said he is open to improving the draft's wording. We're likely to hear much more about it all this week. And Parliament has a packed agenda. They'll also be discussing new industrial relations reforms, funding for social housing, protections for migrants migrant workers, extending paid parental leave and lowering greenhouse gas emissions. This might be of interest to all our squizzers who like to explore the world of podcast Siobhan. New data from British podcast producer Charter found there weren't as many new shows created in 2022 as in years past. In fact, there was an 80% drop. Yeah, it's pretty incredible the shift that we've seen because the data shows there were 219,000 new podcasts launched worldwide last year. And that's compared to the highs of the previous two years. There was over over 1.1 million in 2020 and 729,000 in 2021. So it's a really massive drop. Mm. Now, experts think this might be a case of the jitters because sponsorship revenues have really decreased post-pandemic, but others reckon it's just a sign that the podcast industry is maturing and really stabilising. Sean Glynn's company is behind the popular Bellingcat podcast, and he says although the number of shows is down, listener figures are still high and continuing to grow, which is obviously news to our ears, Siobhan. Yes, it is. And uh, we're very grateful for all our loyal squizzers who've been binging our podcast since 2018. The New York Times has had a lesson in not messing with the classics. A tweet from the publication that encouraged home cooks to add tomatoes to their carbonara pasta quickly sent the internet into meltdown. Yeah, they've learnt their lesson the hard way, Alice. (laughs) So they published food writer Kay Chun's so-called carbonara recipe with the caption, tomatoes are not traditional in carbonara, but they lend a bright tang to the dish. And I have to say, I can't blame people for feeling incensed. One reader asked, what is this thing where we treat dishes like it's some sort of modular building set where we can swap in and out ingredients? People were also surprised that the Times wasn't more cautious because when Chun's recipe was first published, the Italian Farmers Association joined the chat with some fairly strong words of their own. They described it as the tip of the iceberg in the falsification of traditional Italian dishes. Would you try the tomato in yours, Siobhan? I mean, do you really have to ask? (laughs) I'm a purist, Alice, and Italian cuisine is one of the best, so just Don't mess with it, okay? Just don't mess with it. Well, if you're curious to try Chun's recipe, I will add it to our episode notes today. 
A six-year-old boy from Michigan named Mason has been busted doing something that I really cannot blame him for, Siobhan. I think you're very generous with that because (laughs) this boy Mason went rogue with his father Keith's credit card and ordered a virtual smorgasbord of meals via a delivery app that cost his parents one thousand US dollars. I mean, seriously. <laughs> Key said he realised something was wrong when the food started piling up outside his home on Saturday night, and it all happened because he let Mason use his phone to play a game before bed. Yeah, but luckily for Mason, thanks to his weekend binge, he might have landed a new advertising gig for the delivery app that he used, and that might help towards repaying some of his dad's money. Yeah, he better hope so. Otherwise, that's a lot of car washing he's gonna have to do. Squeeze the day, Siobhan. What's something to keep an eye on today? Oh, I'm really looking forward to the Grammys, which are on from 11am Sydney and Melbourne time this morning. And I think we'll all be watching to see if Beyonce breaks the record for the most awarded artist in Grammys history. Yeah, surely she has it in the bag. And that wraps us up this morning. Have a great start to your week and we'll be back with you again tomorrow. 